There's joy in food. There's connection in food. But we treat food as restriction or reward. You know, oh, I've been so good. I'm going to allow myself to have this. There's everyday foods and there's sometimes foods. So it's just finding that really nice balance. You are listening to the Synergy Women podcast, brought to you by women's resilience coach, Nikki Hamilton. Nikki offers expertise in women's health and has an inspiring passion for helping women navigate through grief and life's challenges to help transform and build resilience with grace, courage, and authenticity. Each episode, she will explore an aspect of women's health, offering you insights on ways to build your body, your mind, and your heart health to help you rise up with resilience. In this episode, we will explore body health for women. As a qualified physiotherapist, Nikki has both passion and expertise to help you with your health. So welcome everyone. Thanks so much for joining me on the Synergy Women podcast today. My name's Nikki Hamilton and I'm really looking forward today to sharing some information with you on your nutrition during times of depletion. Now, are you a woman that's currently navigating a stressful period of time or you're feeling depleted or burnt out and you're really finding that your nutrition is last on the list or completely thrown out the window? Would you like some tips and tricks to try and get your nutrition back on track during these stressful periods of time? Well, this podcast is for you, and today I have with me Lindsay Parkinson. Now, Lindsay is a personal trainer, a Pilates instructor, a yoga teacher, and also a qualified nutrition coach, so uh, lots of qualifications there. She loves helping women get confident without counting calories or spending hours in the gym. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So let's just start um, by having a look at what... What is depletion for women? Like, when do women find themselves in times of depletion? What sort of things happen and, and when do women find themselves in this period of time? What typical clients do you have in that regard? Absolutely. So my the typical woman usually comes to me when they're already completely depleted. Yeah. And this can be at multiple stages throughout their life. And it's usually you start seeing signs of lots of, like, fatigue, feeling really lethargic, not feeling motivated to do anything. They also have some gastrointestinal problems, a poor immune system. They seem like they're getting sick all the time and they just generally feel completely tired, like that bone tired. And this usually happens to women around when they've just given birth, so in the early stages of motherhood, grief, loss, trauma, or even if they've gone through um, a prolonged time of stress. So that could be, you know, a relationship breakdown or even just, you know, losing a loved one, things like that. And it's where it's gone on for a long period of time, but they don't realize how long they haven't been focusing on nutrition and looking after themselves until they're at that point where they, they don't know what to do. Yeah. So, I mean, very classically in our physio clinic, we see a lot of new mums in our mm. physiotherapy clinic. And it is during that period of time, really, where you're having lack of sleep and you've got somebody else to look after that's, you know, high priority, that those nutritional choices can then go out the window until you reach a point of like burnout or depletion. But I've also, in, even in my own journey, experienced times, and it was even just last year when I had a family member in hospital, realising that I was running to and from the hospital in my car, running to and from you know, different relatives' houses, trying to sort things out and help, and realising at the end of the day, look, I actually haven't had time to eat. Like, And when I did have time to eat, it was like, okay, let's 
have a look at the petrol station that I'm in. <laughs> what can I buy from the petrol station? Or the hospital cafeteria, which was usually pretty disappointing, like a stale sausage roll or a muffin. And that's um, probably not the best choice, but that's that's kind of where I was at. So I guess times of depletion for women are, like you say, motherhood, uh, times where people are under a lot of stress, like when you've got a family member unwell or if someone's passed away or you're going through and navigating grief or loss or a relationship breakdown and suddenly all of your time is consumed by something else and nutrition's last on the list. So the typical symptoms that women get, you know, when they reach that point where nutrition hasn't been the primary priority for a period of time, you've already touched on, you know, gut issues. What other things do you think women feel when they've had their nutrition kind of last on the list plus stress combined? What sort of um, symptoms do you commonly see? Typically, there can be a lot of feelings of anxiety or wired butterflies in the stomach, not having an appetite. It's very, very common for women to come to me initially and say, I'm not sure where I'm going wrong. I actually don't eat. I don't eat all day. I don't have an appetite. I don't wake up hungry, but I am very, very tired. Um, And that's where I can sort of say, okay, you're in what I would call like a fight or flight situation and whether that be you're a new mum and you have no sleep and you're totally focused on keeping this small human alive or whether it's looking after an unwell family member and your body is saying to you okay the priority here isn't actually to eat food I just want you to survive and you've got to attack that stress and you've got to get through that we'll think about food later and it isn't until you are not facing that sort of acute stress in front of you whether it's baby's gone to bed or you've left the situation where you've left the hospital or whatever it is and you get to the end of the day and you go oh oh now I'm hungry but you're then starting to look for comfort and we've often sought um, comfort in food and so we will reach for something that's convenient because we're exhausted we don't want to cook anything we want something that's going to provide a little bit of comfort something that tastes good and we often then end up in this Very, very commonly, very commonly it's found within wine or, you know, any kind of drink that makes you feel like you're unwinding that releases what we feel like is stress. I'll get into that a little bit later. We'll we'll touch on that. All right. It's very, very common. So when typically it's these feelings of they don't have any appetite, but they're feeling very, very tired. Um, they don't really know where to start and they're just exhausted. Mm. So when we are in these stages of discomfort, um, we want to alleviate that discomfort and we search for fatty, sugary or high carbohydrate foods because they give us an instant hit of energy. Mm. And typically those foods are more palatable, but they're not very nutrient dense. So the problem then lies in that we overeat because the body is saying, I'm not, I'm not actually that full. those foods typically pastas your rice there's all of those things while they're fabulous when they're paired and eaten in moderation if you're going and you're just having a sausage roll say for example you'll eat that and then you know 30 or 40 minutes later the body's going where's my nutrients oh i've chewed through that i want more food and i want food that tasted that good as well so then you'll go back for something else that might be salty or sugary and get that instant little hit and then 90 minutes later, you're looking for something else. Crash. Yes. So it just sort of perpetuates this kind of cycle. And then if you're not getting a balance of macro and micronutrients, then your body is only going to it's only going to regulate so far. 
So there's only going to be certain functions that it's going to choose to do. And that's when if it's prolonged over a long period of time, people, women can experience, you know, hair loss or um, their, their cycle gets really out of sync if it happens at all. Mm-hmm. And it's a combination of the stress and they're not having the right nutrients for the body to regulate and function properly. So we're all like little clocks. One cog turns the next. But when we are in stress or when we're depleted and we're not getting that nutrients in, it's like you're not putting the right fuel in the car. So we're not going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. This is as far as you're going to get on that kind of food. And it's not very far at all. So teaching women how to get from A to B on the best type of fuel is where we need to start. So if you're in a time of depletion or stress, you're far better off looking at, you know, what I would call the four pillars of health than completely needing to overhaul your life and feeling like I'll I'll lose weight and then I'll I'll feel better. It's all it's never that way. It doesn't happen that way, but we've been confused and marketed to that that's the way it would work. Yeah. So ultimately, when women sort of have the nutrition that's out the window and they're choosing a sausage roll and the Shiraz and the piece of brie and and and, and not having the macro and micronutrients that kind of keep the fuel in the car running in the right way, the types of uh, conditions that they can feel aside from fatigue and depletion are things like immune disorders, problems with their uh, cycle, um, uh, high blood pressure, gastrointestinal, you know, GI tract problems, mm-hmm. Um, these even headaches I think some of the women that I see um, will report some headaches in actual fact it's fatigue and lack of nutrition absolutely we don't realize often the effect that our nutrition and then coupled with stress has on our bodies Mm. and we have been taught and marketed to that low calorie low fat is best and you're given these selection of pre-packaged processed meals that are somewhat deprived of proper micronutrients and sometimes macronutrients they usually taste good they've got lots of salt lots of preservatives lots of sugars but they're not actually feeding your body and when you go through a long period of time with stress and they're not having the right nutrients you end up with um, an imbalance in your gut microbiome so in our intestines we have this beautiful environment well we hope it's beautiful it's going to have a combination of um, different good and bad bacterias but that bacteria it feeds off what you give it so the more you engage in eating those like sort of comfort foods or fast foods the more your body's going to crave it and those gut bugs let me tell you they are loud they are very, very loud. For want of a better word, they don't want to die off. They want to be fed that kind of thing. So sometimes women will say once they're at home and they've, um, you know, had wine and they're feeling a little bit more relaxed, it's like a compulsion to go and get the chocolate. And they really can't think about how they're going to stop themselves. And so they'll sit there before they know it, they've consumed a whole block of chocolate, not realising the quantity of energy or the type of energy they're putting into their body. Um, and then not understanding why their their weight is fluctuating and why they're feeling so lethargic. And it comes down to more than just counting calories. So it's really important for women to understand how to fuel their bodies properly, especially in times of depletion, post-childbirth, you know, going through stress or trauma, um, loss of relationship, things like that. Everything comes down to, you know, nutrition. If you can really nail in on that, you're going to get better quality sleep. Get better quality sleep, you're going to make better quality food choices. If you're going to make better quality food choices, you're going to have more energy to want to move your body. The problem is that when it's all a big mess, you can't be bothered doing any of it. 
Mm. So are you alluding to the fact that if I, say, had some wine and some sugar, uh, some chocolate, that then feeds something in my stomach that makes me want that more? Correct. So it's not me, it's actually the bugs in my stomach that want that? It's Yeah, it's your gut microbiome. So it's like its own little environment down there. And when I'm working with women, I really like to teach them to make food choices that are going to create the best environment possible because that will affect your mood. So your food affects your mood. Absolutely. There are some really great studies where they've had women that have anxiety and depression and they've changed and overhauled their diet to include more plants, more fiber, more proper protein, not things that come from like a protein ball or a manufactured protein um, bar or something like that. And they found a really nice correlation between how their, their mood is and how their body is functioning. And it comes down to there are different chemical reactions that are going to happen in the body when we have the right nutrition. And when we have the right foods and without them, the body says, all right, well, what's a priority, you know? And so there are just little things that get put to the side. So back to, if you're really depleted in your nutrition, you might find that like, you might have dry flaky skin, you know, weird things start to pop up and like, I wonder what that's from. Oh, go get a cream or put that on. When something's going on in your skin, or if you've got like, you know, chronic headaches and things like that, it's always best to look internally before just trying to topically treat something. So getting back to your nutrition when you're depleted means that, okay, well, if this is showing up here, what does that mean? How can I, how can I fix this or work to eliminate that? Especially women will get um, like IBS type symptoms or problems um, and they'll have different things going on. They might not go to the toilet. It's a stress thing. Or they might have to rush to the toilet after eating something. All of a sudden, they're concluding from Dr. Google that they have IBS or, or whatnot, and it's more a combination of stress and having not a great gut microbiome or they might have damaged their gut lining, and so they're just not reacting to the foods properly. The body's not digesting them. Mm. So, Can I ask then, because this popped into my mind when you were talking about it before, the, the difference between macronutrients and micronutrients, like what does that mean? It sounds really technical, but to, to us out there, it's like, oh, that sounds really good. What does it actually mean, macro and micronutrients? Such a good question. So your macronutrients are like your proteins, fats, and carbohydrates. And then you've got your micronutrients, and they're all your vitamins and minerals. The things that can sometimes get lost if people take a calorie counting approach to weight loss. So your macronutrients are things essentially that your body needs to thrive and survive, and then your micronutrients are then on top of that to help all those little other functions that we like to have happen. Um, and what we tend to find is that women don't get enough protein. It's really common across the board. They'll maybe wake up, very common um, coffee, piece of toast. Then 90 minutes later, if they start to feel a little bit of hunger, cereal bar, granola bar, something like that. Then for lunch, it'll be like some sort of sandwich, maybe like ham and cheese, tasty, not a great source of protein. So by this stage, their, their protein that they've had throughout the day is very, very low. And protein actually comes from like the Greek, we're going to try and pronounce probably like proteus. Mm -hmm. And that actually means primary. The body's primary source of fuel is protein. Yet most of us, we sort of have it drummed into us, oh, go for all the carbohydrates are either really bad or really good. There's actually a really nice balance that can be found in the middle of them. Yeah. And when you find that balance, with the carbohydrates where you've got some starchy, but then you're also getting your carbohydrates from vegetables and fruits, then you're absorbing those micronutrients without even realising it. And women, when they're depleted, will go for the sugar hit. 
So that granola bar they have in the middle of the morning, which gives them that sugar rush, if I always say, did you not think to choose a piece of fruit? Fruit got demonized. Fruit had too much sugar. Fruit causes this. Fruit has vitamins, minerals, and fiber in it. All things that will help your energy levels, help regulate things and functions that are going on in your body, repopulate your gut microbiome so you get less of the cravings for the, the sugary stuff. And it also will give you as usually a sustained release of energy because it's paired with that fiber. So you've got win-win-win scenario versus short-term fix, granola bar, tastes good, all right, that solved my hunger problem until hunger rolls back around. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I, I've also heard the same thing, that, that fruit's actually the bad guy. And I don't know if it's because all of the juice bars have popped up or we start having more juices, and I think that's quite, am I right, that's quite high-calorie type of food to chew, I mean, if you want to call it a food. is What, do, what are your thoughts on juices? I absolutely love this question yeah, so yeah. much. So when it comes to having a juice, a lot of the time, because it's been marketed really well, uh, if you're having a cold-pressed juice, you're consuming a certain amount of energy. How long would a cold-pressed juice fill you up for? 20 minutes, 30 minutes. It's an instant hit. It's, it's, it's great in that it does retain some of the nutrients. And say if, I always use this analogy, if you're sick, you usually revert to having a soup, right? It's easy to digest. It's a way of getting nutrients in there, but it's, you don't have a lot of energy, so you can't, your body doesn't want to process too much food. So soup is really good in that sense. But if you're not sick and you're having a juice as a meal, you're going to be hungry very, very quickly. You've also removed a lot of the fiber out of that. So what goes into a juice, say, for example, beetroot, carrot, apple, celery, ginger. If you were to have that in a juice, you've probably had to juice half a celery, maybe two apples, one beetroot, uh, two carrots, and the tiniest bit of ginger because it's quite cool and kick to it. If you laid all of that food out on the table and actually tried to eat and consume that amount of food, you probably wouldn't get through it. If you did, you're going to be full for a very, very long time. Lots of fibre, lots of different ways of the body to have to break that down. And one of the really cool things about eating whole foods in their original format is that it takes longer for our body to digest. Great, we're not hungry as often. But the body's also using energy to digest that food. So if you are somebody that maybe does want to work on reducing their body fat, eating those foods is going to take energy. It's going to keep you fuller for longer. It's going to fill up your macro and micronutrients. And it's going to help regulate all those other little systems in the body. So again, I always tell clients, look for the win-win-win. Always do that. Because if you can do that, then it makes it a whole lot simpler. So ultimately, your macronutrients are your proteins and your carbohydrates. That's kind of your fuel that you need. And your micronutrients that are found in fruits, vegetables, are the pieces on top that you need for optimal function in your gut and for the rest of your body. And that if you consume that in a juice, it's a lot of calories and probably won't keep you full for very long anyway. So even though fruit and veggies are great, maybe juice is not the best choice necessarily if you're wanting to have optimal nutrition that you're not hungry 20 minutes later. Absolutely. And what can happen is that when we blend or process the fruit is that it does change the, the structure of the, the plant cell. So the body is going to digest it a lot quicker. And again, sometimes it, I won't say devoids all of the nutrients, but it can change. Yeah. So that's one thing that you want to think about. And it depends. I always say consume food with the intention. What is my intention on consuming food? Because a lot of the time we think it's all or nothing 
and it doesn't have to be like that. There is food is primarily fuel unless you're enjoying it with the intention of it's filling up a social cup or it's somebody who's made your mum has made something with you with love Hmm. that then there's joy in food there's connection in food there's a lot there's a really big difference between that but we treat food as restriction or reward you know i've been so good i'm going to allow myself to have this there's everyday foods and there's sometimes foods so it's just finding that really nice balance but when you're in a time of depletion we really want to focus on the everyday foods because you're just trying to survive every single day. And the best chance you've got of doing that without ending up, you know, blowing blowing the handle is to make sure that you eat the everyday foods more than the sometimes foods. So I don't want to demonise granola bars or anything like that. They're just sometimes foods. So you're just finding the balance. It's always about finding the balance. We've got more Synergy Women coming up, but first let's take a quick break. Would you like to learn more about the Rise Up Method and how it can help offer you a clear framework to overcome life's challenges? See our website, synergywomen.com.au. Okay, so what do you think the common mistakes are? So that if, you know, if you're going through a point of depletion in your life and you've got a new bub and you're tired or you, you, you're stretched thin because your family's health's, you know, suffering or there, there are other things in your life that are stretching you thin what are the common mistakes do you think that that women make so what we sort of touched on before yeah. is it's a little bit of a double-edged sword you're so depleted so tired so exhausted you reach for things that are low nutrient low quality high processed not real food and that can be in the form of convenience meals frozen meals low calorie meals mm. so what usually happens with our low calorie meals is that we use those thinking oh well if I lose weight, I'm going to feel really good. I'm going to have more energy. The reason I don't have any energy is because I'm, I'm overweight or, you know, whatever the issue, they think the issue might be. So the common mistakes that I see that women make is choosing low-calorie food, which doesn't keep them full for very long and often doesn't have the combinations of the macro and micronutrients. Um, it either would be like really high in fat, really low in fat, had things removed and replaced so that it tastes or has a really nice texture. So those, yeah, things like, and also things, wine and coffee. And like what I said. What do you mean coffee? What's wrong with coffee? Do you know what? I would never take coffee away from any of my clients. <laughs> Don't you because, take coffee away from me. Because <laughs> like, like I said, there is a time and place for everything. And there's actually some really great properties within coffee. Oh. But if you are not sleeping correctly and you're relying on coffee to prop you up, it is a stimulant. And if you're already feeling white, if you wake up and you've got an anxious feeling in your tummy, you don't feel like eating, but you're so tired at the same time, you'll go, coffee. Yes. And new mums, you're sleep deprived. You've got to function. And so one of the things that I would recommend is if you're choosing to have coffee, it's really simple. Just have it before 12 p.m. Just That's very, very easy. Try and have your caffeinated beverages before 12 p.m. Um, because what will happen is, and this is another common mistake that women will make, is that they'll survive on coffee for most of the day and potentially some fast foods, and then it'll get to night and they're quite stressed and they're looking for a way to unwind. They may have one or two glasses of wine to unwind. And what they don't realise is that wine is a muscle relaxant. That's why we end up with that really nice, ah. You can imagine being stressed all day means all of these muscles in your body will tighten up. You'll understand. You yeah. see a lot of stressed women and everything tightens up. But then when they finally put Bub to bed or they're out of their stressful situation, they've left their stressful job, 
they have a couple of glasses of wine, those muscles just start to relax and people are like, I feel warm and fuzzy and life is good. We then will go to bed, maybe after some brie or some chocolate, and the body has this really hard job of processing and metabolizing that toxin. So while it should be resting and repairing from maybe the movement you've done that day, trying to get you into a really nice sleep cycle, body is working really, really hard. So we wake up really tired. Mm. So I, I, yeah, I've, I've read exactly the same things. Like with caffeine after 12 o'clock, caffeine actually takes about eight hours to actually completely um, digest with and, and leave our system. So your brain is still being affected by coffee eight hours later. So that will affect your ability to fall asleep. Then you have your wine to try and get your muscles to relax, which is nice. That works. It helps you fall asleep, but wine will actually give you a very poor quality sleep. You actually skip part of your deep sleep cycle. So you wake up tired and then have another coffee. So that's the cycle. So common mistakes that women make, I guess, in all of these, I mean, all of us are guilty of it, but during times of depletion, it's coffee in the morning, wine of the afternoon, and then reaching out for the sort of fast foods that lack the macro and micronutrients which means that your whole gut system is not op- operating in a in a way that's functioning well absolutely so then what what do you think the key steps are for women if you if you find yourself in this place what key steps do you love to share with women to help them so start small don't overcomplicate it and i always say go back to what i call the four pillars of health so this is your sleep food water then movement on top if you address how to have the best quality sleep in what you're allowed to have. So if you're a new mum, you're not going to get a full night's sleep. That's just, you've got to focus on what you can control. And that's one of the things I really like to teach them. You don't have to do it all at once. Let's start really small. So focus on the best sleep that you can possibly get. So that would mean having your stimulants, a coffee before 12 p.m., trying to reduce wine in the evening, Um, just so that you can get that really good quality sleep when you do sleep. That's going to be really important. You're going to get that rest and digest, the repair stages. That's what's going to happen. Then waking up and first thing always, water. I call this the the inner bath. I heard another PT talk about this. You've got to think if your body was working overnight to clear things, you know, just repair things, it's going to be a little bit dirt. It's going to be a little bit dirty in there. So it's kind of like, okay, if I have water, I'm going to get a rinse all that out and then go to the bathroom. Often your first like bathroom trip in the morning, you can sort of notice you're like, oh, it's a little bit yellow. Oh, I've got to drink a little bit more water. So get back to making sure that you get good quality sleep, have water first thing, and then continue to add water throughout the day. You know, Water is one of the things that's going to help our body function. Then from there, make really simple food choices. Super, super simple. So that's the, f- the third pillar, food. Then if you get those three things in some kind of balance, you're going to have more energy to create movement. Now, one of the common mistakes that women do make in times of depletion is potentially exercising in a way that is stressful for their body and going to produce more cortisol. So they might think running, cardio, hit, that's going to make me lose weight. And that your body doesn't need any more stress. It needs the opposite. We're trying to bring it back to equilibrium. So adding in the movement, walking, yoga, Pilates, things that are softer on the joints, still allow your body to move and be stretched, a bit of resistance training without meaning that you are going to, you know, do a heavy weight session or go for a run and your body's going to scramble around going, I need nutrients to repair all these muscles. Because if you don't give it the right nutrients, you're going to be tired. So work on your four pillars. That's your sleep, water, food, 
in movement, always the cherry on top when you've got the other three covered because you'll have more energy then. You'll be more motivated then. Problem is when we're depleted, we're unmotivated, which is why we make the bad food choices. And then we go to food choices or drink choices that make us feel good in that moment to avoid the discomfort. Beautiful. So as far as food choices are concerned, when you're at a point of depletion and you're reaching for things that are easy, just so you don't have time to make like a three-course gourmet meal that takes two hours to prepare, you, you, you're reaching for quick things. What, what would be your favourite tips for women to try and help them make the right choices as far as their food is concerned? Keep it really, really simple. So think protein, fats, carbohydrates at every meal. You know, and everyone's like, oh, protein for breakfast. What's the best protein, do you think? In Depending on the person, how they feel best, overnight oats, fabulous source of protein, also a source of carbohydrates. I had no idea that oats had protein. They do, yeah. Really? Yeah. I thought it was just carb. I was like, oh, I don't want to eat too many oats because that's like a lot of carb. Depending on somebody's diet, um, I, I am fine with overnight oats in the morning. Um, oats, oats are great. Yogurt. Protein yogurt, they're quick. You can get them in a pouch. You can, like, get those kids off to school, like, in the car, and you've got your little yogurt pouch. At least you've got something that your body can use, you know. Um, if you've got a little bit more time and you're okay, you know that you want to get your protein up but you're not entirely sure and you're happy with supplementation, a really good quality protein powder can be great in a smoothie mixed with greens. Because if you miss your lunchtime meal but you've got some greens in at breakfast, they're blended up, you cannot taste them, it's just the colour of the smoothie that goes green, you're already ahead, win-win. Got my greens in, got my protein in, and it was convenient. So that's one of the things. Obviously, if you're a new mum and you're feeding, you wouldn't have a protein supplement. It's not usually recommended unless you speak to your own sort of physician about where you're at in your journey. However, there are so many other sources. Boiled eggs. Boil eggs the night before when, when Bubs is in bed. You know, peel them, put them in a container, eat them in the car on the way to the appointment or swimming, whatever it is, you know, just trying to get that in. And now supermarkets actually have not a bad range of easy grab-and-go options. A lot of supermarkets have boiled eggs. They have yogurt pouches. Um, so those kind of things. So you just want to make it easy and start really, really small. Yeah. Think about your energy level that's going to come from your Vegemite toast is going to be entirely different to something that maybe comes from your pre-boiled eggs. So many nutrients in there. You've got beautiful fats in there that... I, I can't recommend eggs enough, but not everyone has time to sit there and make an omelette in the morning. So, And I think you've touched on one of my sort of favourite recipes is the green smoothie. Uh, anyone that knows me knows that I'm a terrible chef. Uh, the only things that I can actually make, um, and I've, I know I've shared this in another podcast, but um, is a baby cherry tomato and a boccaccini on a toothpick. That's my usual kind of um, appetiser that I might take to a friend's barbecue. So that's one recipe. And don't. And sometimes you can add a basil leaf to it, right? Very posh. Um, but, but the other thing that I routinely make uh, in my kitchen when Glenn lets me in the kitchen, which is very rarely, um, is a green smoothie. So what I, what I actually do is blend it up for a couple of days because then it sits in the fridge. And it's the quick, easy way of me getting some good nutrients in the morning and um everyone in my household knows that okay it's time for green smoothie and anyone that visits it's like are you gonna have some green smoothie not everybody loves it but i love it (laughs) there are so many ways to add variety to that as well because what we want to do is create a really diverse gut microbiome so think of it as like your own vegetable garden you know you want to have a really nice balance variety is the spice of life so with your green smoothie in the morning you can freeze zucchini 
skin is fabulous. It makes it really thick. It makes it nice and creamy. You can add in frozen spinach. So when the spinach leaves might be looking a little less, less than like great in the fridge, chuck them in the freezer, add them to your smoothie. Frozen cauliflower, really simple. And then you don't, they don't change the taste of whatever you're having in the smoothie. So one thing that really can go the opposite direction of having good smoothies, they put too many things in it. All of a sudden, there's peanut butter, there's avocado, there's oats, oh. bananas, there's a whole bunch of things. So we do want to remember that with our smoothies, they can be liquid calories. So adding in that veg gives it bulk without going overboard on the fruits. But you create that beautiful balance. And again, you can make it up a couple of days in advance. Same with your overnight oats. Same with your chia puddings. Same with, say, for example... Chopped broccoli salad, blend broccoli, a spring onion, some walnuts, olive oil, seeded mustard. That lasts for three to five days. Make it in bulk, put it in the fridge. When you're hungry, you will have something there and you'll be so grateful for the really minute amount of food prep that you need to do because nobody wants to eat the same thing every day. We do want to add a bit of variation. So one thing that I like to encourage all my clients to do is I call it like the 45 minutes on a Sunday meal meal prep bases. Bake some veg, bake a pasta sauce, bake a stir fry veg, put it in three different containers, whatever you feel like for the next three days, you've got pasta sauce, put it on your veggies because can't be bothered cooking the pasta or you might put it on a baked potato. Fabulous. Add some Mexican spices, all of a sudden you've got Mexi bowls. So you just want to make things easy. And the easiest way I can explain to my clients or women that I speak to to make it easy, shop around the outside of your supermarket. Yeah, I often Very share common. that. Yeah, it's you a know, really common thing because in the middle is all of your crappy stuff. Mm-hmm. So the outside is where all of the good things lie. Yep. And another simple way of looking at it is would my great-great-great-grandmother recognise this? Mm. She does not recognise a low-calorie fibre one bar. Like she just doesn't. She's what's that? So there are simple things that you can do. And often, especially with mums, mums can really relate to this, you would never let your children go hungry. We don't. You prepare for them. Prepare for yourself like you would one of your kids. Make yourself a lunchbox. If you're making lunches and you're cutting up those carrot sticks and those cherry tomatoes, make yourself one. Yeah, nice and easy. Yeah. And I, and I think you, you've touched on a really important topic uh, or point there, and I think that's pre-filling the fridge with things that you can reach for because very often it is if we have uh, choices in the fridge like your chocolate bars or your, your bottle of wine or whatever else when we're at our most depleted point our motivation is is and I often share with women motivation's a bit like a battery right it depletes throughout the day so by the end of the day your capacity to say no to something is just so much harder you open up the fridge and there's the choices that you don't want or that aren't so great for your macro and micronutrients or your gut health, like your brie or your chocolate. Whereas if you open up the fridge and you've already got your, your pre-made salad or your pre-made chopped up uh, carrot sticks and, and, and pieces that actually will make you feel healthier and, and, and fuller for a longer period of time, uh, those choices having already been in the fridge mean that it's much easier to accept that and go, yes, this is what I'll choose rather than having to say no to all the other pieces that are in the fridge. So I really like that as a piece of advice. So then, so if, you know, we've covered the breakfast quick fixes, like the the yogurt uh, in a pouch, it's a nice one. Boiled eggs is a really good one. Uh, Nick's famous green smoothie. I might give you the recipe if you're lucky oh. at the end. <laughs> um, yeah, if you're lucky. Um, so so there's, there's some good sort of uh, 
breakfast and lunch options. And, and then protein is the other question that I wanted to ask more about. So we've talked about eggs as a source of protein, oats as a source of protein, which I didn't know about. Any other sources of protein that are nice and quick and easy for women to get those macronutrients in so they feel full for longer and actually have a body that's functioning uh, to get them to their point, place of depletion? Absolutely. So in an ideal world, the food that you cook yourself is always going to be a lot better. However, if something's going to save your sanity and relieve a little bit of stress, there's nothing wrong with getting a barbecue chook, probably from a chicken shop, not so much supermarkets, but supermarket is fine. Peel the skin off, break it all up, and then a general, I wouldn't always recommend a bag salad, but if you're going to go for you know a pie, a bag salad even with their dressing, you're still getting nutrients in. Dressing's got really badly demonized and a lot of my clients when they first come on board are like, oh no, I wouldn't I wouldn't have that because you know that's got heaps of sugar in it. I was like, ain't a health lab ball, it's got the same amount of sugar. If you're able to still ingest the nutrients that are going to serve your body well, the dressing that you put on it, while it will still contribute, yes, but I would prefer you to focus on getting nutrients in. So get a chook, break it up. Add it to a bag salad. That's fine. You know, you can always season things with just olive oil and mustard, right? Lemon juice, things that we already have in our house. We just don't think to use them. Or, you know, a little bit of um, Danish feta. Add that. Or buying things as protein-based snacks, turkey. Really, really great source. Any kind of fish, things like that. One of the most common things I tell women to make it really easy when you're making dinner, which you're going to do for the whole family pretty much every night, Make an extra serve for yourself, put it in a container, that's your lunch for tomorrow. Then you do not even have to think about it. Then you've got breakfast done, it's a smoothie. You've got a yoga pouch in there for a snack. You've got last night's dinner, which is whole food and nutrition, already portioned into a small container. Then you just think about dinner. So you then make your life easier. It's about making it easier and removing the overwhelm from it. I think people can get, especially in times of depletion or stress, get overwhelmed. I don't have time. Yeah. So there are options that you you can get. And like I said, bag salad, bit of chicken, just make it easy. You're still getting some nutrients out of it. In an ideal world, eventually when you've got more energy, more motivation, you'll be cooking the chicken. Great. You'll be chopping your own salad. It's fine. It's just a small, slow build up, step by step. Mm. And um, I guess the pre-planning is, is kind of key, isn't it? And I think it's the thing that we forget when we're depleted and stressed and we feel like you know we're overwhelmed we forget that look if we just spend 20 minutes tonight planning a little bit it means that tomorrow is a little bit easier and I think we forget those basic steps and then we reach for the fridge and there's nothing in there it's like oh what am I going to do I'll have the granola bar or whatever else uh, but that pre-planning or that Sunday night um, cooking uh, is actually a really good way of just going do you know what if I pre-plan and just have a jug of uh, green smoothie and then my, my chicken and salad there in the fridge ready to go. Um, they're really good steps that you can have made in advance. Absolutely. I call it the three Ps. Mm. Plan, prepare, prioritise. Yeah. So if you plan ahead, even just a little bit, even if it's a couple of things, chooks in the fridge, salad bags are in the fridge, you know, I've got a few things that you've planned. Prepare just a little bit, that 20 minutes the night before or on a Sunday prioritize so what's actually important to you that week you may have a social occasion coming up or something like that if you know that's coming up and you want to relax a little bit going out for wines with the girlfriends just make sure the next four days you're filling up your cup with the nutrients macro micro and you're like okay 
I can get in all the whole foods between now and then. So I've got a little bit of savings in the bank account, right? Then when I go and I might have something that's less nutritious, like the wines or a couple of pieces of pizza, which is filling up my social and emotional cup. So it's very important in times of depletion. You want to make sure you're filling up all the cups just evenly. Then you end up with this really nice balance. You'll leave that meal going, you know what? That's awesome. I had a really beautiful balanced week leading up to that. I went and enjoyed the food because there is everyday food and sometimes food. And if sometimes food has its place, I filled up my social emotional cup. You're going to be more motivated. The next day, you're going to go back to your new normal and you're going to feel fantastic about doing something good for yourself and building a really beautiful relationship with food because that's the thing. We've got to build a good relationship with food and then with our bodies. So it all goes around in that really nice circle, which is hard to do when you're depleted. So go back to your basics, yeah. you know, sleep, water, food, movement. Beautiful. And I love water as, as part of it because I often think we, we eat when we're thirsty and when we're fatigued, we're actually thirsty. So I often will share that with women. Look, the first thing, if you just have one habit when you're depleted, just one thing, just wake up and have a glass of water. Just start there. It's, a, it's about small steps, isn't it? Absolutely. I like to teach clients to create habit stacks. If you are going to have your coffee in the morning, which you are, it is a lifeline. I get it. Make sure you have a glass of water before that. One glass of water before coffee. Then you can increase that and go, because the habit's already there and then it just becomes natural. Oh, get up, have a glass of water. Ooh, coffee. Love that. And it's a domino effect. You then might go, oh, I'll have a litre of water, push my coffee out a couple of hours. Right? Then you're having one coffee instead of two. And then you're slowly just tinkering away, tweaking the little habits that you've got. And then all of a sudden it just becomes what I call new normal. That's what I like to create. You've got to create sustainable habits. And the problem is that women will go for quick fix, fast, eight-week challenge. They're given a meal plan. They follow that. Then they can't wait to get off it. Then they go back in the circle. It's got it. So start, the biggest thing, start small. Yeah. Just tweak those little things. So have you got any other favourite tips uh, that you haven't shared already? Any any other favourite tips that you like to have uh, for women um, in times of depletion? As far as nutrition, yeah. Yeah. This one isn't even a nutrition tip, but it is when you wake up in the morning, try and expose yourself to natural daylight within the first 20 minutes of waking. Um, And this is because it's going to set your circadian rhythm up. So biologically, we're designed to rise and fall with the sun. So that's why it's really lovely sometimes to wake up. We, We sleep with our blinds open, very strange thing to do. However, we find that it then means by the time the sun's going down, we're already starting to feel like we unwind because sleep is our priority. So if you can get up and expose yourself to daylight um, within the first 20 minutes of waking, ideally, even if that means just popping bumps in the pram, walking up and down the street, back into your house, it can be a really nice way for you both to wake up, assuming that it's not four o'clock in the morning. Um, and that then is going to set your circadian rhythm up. When you've got your good sleep cycle, you're then going to make better nutrition choices. So that's one of the ones. Second one would be water before coffee. So we touched on that one. Um, that sounds like a good sort of habit routine to make. That's habit stacking that you're talking about. Wake up, go for a walk outside first as long as it's daylight, get some sun, come back, glass of water, then your coffee or, or push your coffee out. Yeah. And when you start the day that way, you then reduce the overwhelm or the stress. If you wake up to an alarm or, you know, the child got school run, don't have time to eat, that's you're on flight or flight mode already. You've flicked that switch. It's harder to get off. But if you start your day naturally like that, you're going to go into it feeling less stressed. And that's really important when you're feeling um, depleted. So make it easy. Don't make it overwhelming. Everyone, protein with every meal, greens with every meal. 
nice and easy. That's it. And if you can think about that, okay, so for the next seven days, I'm going to try and wake up, get, expose myself to daylight, start with that water before coffee, and then make it easy, not overwhelming, protein and greens at every meal. It's four things. And it's not that difficult. You just might have to go, oh, okay, all right, what protein am I having now? Or what am I doing? So it, it just takes that tiny little bit of thought. And then once that once you've done that for seven days, go, okay, can I introduce this in? Can I introduce the next layer? Just layer it. It's like building a house. Set your foundations, then start building. Beautiful. I like that. And so is there any way that you think um, women can prevent themselves, you know, reaching that point of depletion or burnout? Like what sort of things do you think women can do? I mean, we often, I think, get on that treadmill and keep going until we're suddenly feeling like completely overwhelmed and completely exhausted. Um, what do you think, you know, what would your advice be for women who are uh, wanting to prevent that burnout point? Recognise what the symptoms are that we spoke about at the very start, that, you know, extreme lethargic feeling, that fatigue, maybe noticing skin issues or not feeling motivated, all of those little things, when they start to creep in, and even I would say reacting instead of responding to simple things. Could be somebody asking you, hey, did you get that email? Have you got that email I sent you? And you're like, you bark back at them. That's a re- reactive Reactivity, yeah. response. And that is if you've got lots of little stresses, the smallest thing seems like the biggest thing. So start to recognise, hang on a second, I have, you know, four or five of these things that I feel like and I'm starting to feel like I'm either on the verge of tears when I get home from work or an activity or I just feel like it's all getting a little bit too much. Recognise that. And the, the one thing that I ask, you know, can say to my clients, one piece of advice I can give them is, ask for help ask for help before you get there because chances are if you have a meltdown and you're asking for help you're probably screaming for help and not really communicating what you really need which is probably a big hug at that point but if you were to sit down to whether it be your kids or your partner and say to them I'm actually really struggling I am trying to work on my nutrition and my health it would really help me if you could do this do you think that you could do that? When people ask for help, particularly to a loved one, a lot of people will feel sympathy and empathy for you. If you say or you react and say, you know it would be great if you just chopped the veggies for dinner for once, somebody's going to come back combative. Mm. So recognise it before it happens. Go do it really calmly, maybe after your 20-minute walk in the morning, after your water, after your coffee, and say, you know what, I'm feeling so tired this week. It would be really helpful if... You did the washing today. Do you think you had time? Leave the door open for them. And most of the time, the person will be like, I'd love to help you because your, your family love you. They don't want to see you in that state, but they just might not recognize that you're there because women are very good at just getting on with it, trucking on and masking it. But your family members love to help you, especially kids. I, you know what? Mummy would love it if you unpack the dishwasher, make it a fun activity if they're old enough to do that. Or can you help mummy hang out the washing? Have a conversation when you're doing it. All of a sudden, a little task that you would hate doing, like hanging out the washing, might become a little fun way of asking your child, hey, you went back into that day, connecting with them. And then you're like, that wasn't so bad. It's a nice little thing for us to do together. Reduce the overwhelm, reduce the chaos, and then you're going to make better decisions with food and sleep better. Then you're going to feel like exercising. Yeah. And I think it's very common for us women to assume that it's all up to us. Like, it's all up to me, I've got to do X, Y, Z, and here's my big list, and I can't get through it without remembering that, you know what, if you just ask someone to 
if you play something with that piece there, then suddenly there's a bit less on your on your busy plate mm -hmm. and you've got time then to prepare some meals or make some choices with nutrition. And more often than not, a lot of partners would are on board, but because men and women communicate very differently, we have to just be a little bit clearer in how we're asking for it. I really want to look after my health at the moment. I just need a little bit of time to prepare dinner. Would you be able to help me with this? And they love when they see you taking initiative as well. Most of the time, it doesn't happen in every situation, but a lot of the time, like you said, women will take everything on without asking. They'll do all the drop-offs. They'll do everything. And that's why they're left feeling depleted and reaching for the sausage roll or just getting the kids McDonald's drive through and going, oh, well, I'll work it out tomorrow. Exactly, exactly. Well, that's been fantastic, that, that wrap-up. So ultimately what we know is those periods of depletion can happen at any time for women. It can be a health crisis within the family. It can be um, early motherhood where you're lacking in sleep. It can be grief, loss or, or uh, relationship breakdown or family separation. All of these times leave us in a point of depletion, which means that we start to potentially make nutrition choices that aren't so great because we feel like we don't have the time, that we're less inclined or we're stressed. Uh, and then those symptoms that can unfold from there include, you know, gut symptoms or uh, blood pressure or immune system uh, problems or headaches. Uh, and the mistakes that we often will make is, is reaching for the most convenient thing uh, and then feeding our gut with like, all the sugars. And I didn't realise that the sugar then starts to control me and want more sugar. <laughs> That's a whole new concept for me. Um, so, so your sort of steps of saying, look, our, our four pillars are really making sure that we get our sleep pattern on track, which means less wine at night time because that affects our sleep health. And then making sure we don't have coffee after lunchtime because that will affect our sleep health as well. So once your sleep health is on track, then simple habits with making sure you have a glass of water, getting out in the sunlight, then making your food choices a bit more uh, friendly for your body, uh, which is your macro and micronutrients, proteins and greens in each meal. That's one of the things that you like to share. That's a really good one. And the good sources of protein you've shared have been, you know, your, your chook if you need to from the chook shop, eggs in the morning, um, and then your oats, yogurts. Those are the sorts of protein sources that can be really helpful for women as really nice, easy ways of being able to reach for the right foods when you're depleted, so you're not reaching for the chocolate bar in the fridge. So so I guess what I'd like then uh, from, just because I like to share this with um, our Synergy Women podcast, is you have kind of three take-home tips for women. If you were to give a woman three key take-home tips, what would they um, be? So definitely prioritise, plan and prepare, okay? So if you can prioritise yourself, that's going to require a little bit of preparation and a little bit of planning. So if you can do that and then apply that to the other areas, apply it to your sleep, apply it to your food, and then apply it to your movement. And then I, from there, start building out. So make it simple. Shop around the outside of the supermarket. Greens and protein with every meal. Have two litres of water every day. Those things, they are the key things that I say start with. Start small, reduce the overwhelm, and... Start with your three Ps, plan, prepare, prioritise. Yeah. And that includes prioritising you. Yes, and I think that's one thing that we uh, often forget, really. Oxygen mask theory. You yeah. know, you, it's, hard, it's easy to say, harder to do, but if you can fill up your cup a little bit here, the rest of your life and all of the other things and all the other people you take care of are going to work a whole lot better. Fantastic. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. It's been really great to have you here. Now, um, if women want to find out a bit more about you... 
Absolutely. So on socials, I'm Lindsay Parkinson underscore PT, or you can jump on my website, which is lindsayparkinsonfitness.com. Um, and I also have a YouTube channel, which is Lindsay Parkinson underscore PT. So nice. Beautiful. So I'll include that in the show notes for everybody. Thanks so much for joining me. And thanks everybody for joining us on the Synergy Women podcast today. If you like what you've heard, it'd be great if you could rate and review this podcast from wherever you are listening. And don't forget to click subscribe so you'll be notified when we release our next episode.